first of all, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, this is uh, this is an honor. This is an absolute honor. This is somebody that I've been reading the books for many, many years. Uh, I broke my back at 18. So as you can imagine, you came across some of your books and just went to town on them. So I just want to say thank you uh, for the opportunity of, of having a conversation, my friend. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Alex. You uh, contacted me uh, several weeks ago now. And uh, as I do with anyone who requests a podcast, I say, uh, would you send me a few questions? And, and the real purpose for that is it shows me the direction of the uh, podcaster. And it also gives my brain some time for some uh, considered thought. But your your questions weren't really spiny sorts of uh, issues. And you, you may have noticed I'm very reluctant to give uh, opinions on the internet or in, in podcasts where I haven't, uh, shall I say, earned the forum to have the opinion. Uh, if I haven't done primary investigations into the topic, then I, I leave the opinions, public opinions for people who have uh, so ha having said all of that, I then went to your website and I discovered your poetry and I had to stop several times and, and just think, uh, so the soul that you have, sir, uh, that was the uh, deciding factor to tell you the truth, to, uh, uh agree to do this and get to know you a little bit better. Thank so you, there's sir. a, there's a preamble. And uh, <laughs> how about this? It's an honor for me, too. Oh, thank you so much. This is, uh, yeah, I'm, let's, I'm, let's I'm, not go I'm, down that rabbit hole. I'll start crying. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm with a real poet. So uh, there you go. Yeah, it's definitely been a, uh, a strange caveat to fitness. Um, you know, discovered this thing called weights. And then, you know, it tries to crush you. A young age, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I feel a little bit better upstairs, and 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 the positive is I can look after me, ma'am, a little bit better, and also get better at sports from just weight training. You're like, oh, okay, cool, and you just life but throws you on whatever path it does, right? And you end up again just falling into if I just continue to move around and shift resistance, I will feel better. And that's what kind of shoved me on this whole path. And like I said, 18, um, yeah, that kind of got stripped away for a while. So I was like, well, what else do I do? Who else am I? Real kind of existential type, type crisis. How can I, uh, how can I be a lifter if I can't lift weights? Yeah. Well, you know, Alex, in the stage of my life now, I, uh, see patients a couple of days a week and the people I see uh, are extremely unique and special. I mean, th these, these people are, they run countries, wow. they're super athletes or they're extremely wealthy people or they're royalty or there's something uh, very unique about them. And I can tell you we're all hurting inside every single one of us and uh when you see these people who 
are, you know, headline makers. They're just the same as you and I at the core. Anyway, I don't know uh, if that, uh, that's certainly been a, uh, a realization. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you. And that's something that, um, like a while back, I, I, I referenced this question that I had on this thing, this talking to strangers on the internet thing that we call a podcast, you know, this weird kind of no holes bad radio. And I got a question of like, what's the, what's the biggest thing I've learned from it? And it kind of sat me back for a while and I, I thought about it. And I was like, to be honest with you, people have more similarities than they do differences. That's the biggest thing that I've learned. I think it really doesn't matter the the four corners of the world where you're from. It doesn't really matter about the journey that you took to get to the place that you're standing in today. It's, you know what, those, those questions that we ask ourselves in the morning, deep at night, the ones that keep us up at night, and we're all trying to do very similar stuff. We're all trying to get by. We're all trying to look after the person next to us. We're all very similar. And it's um, it's a beautiful thing. It's something that I try to remind myself of quite regularly. Yeah. When uh, someone comes here from another culture, I'll uh, ask them to, uh, well, well, tell me a joke that would be typical of uh, your your culture. And at the end of the day, their jokes yeah. are not peculiar to them. They're, they're universal. I had a, a Chinese fella here not too long ago, and I said, well, tell me a typical Chinese joke. And he says, uh, thinks for a minute. And he says, okay. He says, there's these two old gentlemen sitting on the park bench. One looks over at the other and who's the boss of your family? And the other fella replies, he says, oh, well, I am. And the other fellow responds back and says, well, how'd you know? And he says, my wife told me. <laughs> <laughs> Every married person in the world. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, I was, I was in a taxi cab in New York city a little while ago and there was a fellow from uh, some country in Africa. I forget what it was, but uh, he was telling me a story. And really, at the end of the day, he just drives the cab so he can look after his, his wife and kids. And he says, I just want to go home and, uh, you know, have something nice to eat, kiss my wife, put my kids to bed. And he says, that's it. And I said, yeah, well, that's that's every man on the planet. It's all we need. Yeah. You know, that really is all we need. I think we, uh, we get bogged be down a with a, a, a poem there or, or two <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe i gotta i gotta go outside and stare at the ocean or something for a while yeah what comes I, out. I discovered a uh a uh, I'm, I'm going through my my ancestry a little bit uh now and uh it would have been a cousin of my grandfather uh i ended up with uh one of his books of uh poems Wow. And it's just so much fun to go back to the early 1900s. And uh, again, the, the, the poems are as as fitting uh, now as they were then. Anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about backs and things I actually know something about. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you certainly know things about that. That's for damn sure. Um, that's where I was first introduced to active rigidity, right? Rather than just being stiff all the time and you, you, you can't move. It's like, no, no, we need to be able to move, but then also create that rigidity as well. And if we want to put X amount of kilos or pounds on our backs, sit down, stand up with it or bring it up from the floor, then it's probably wise that we're going to be hard, you know, and it's um, a caveat to that coaching now, you know, it's usually with a bench press, but it applies to the other SPDs or the back squat, the deadlift as well. I was like, guys, the goal is to brace, is to make you as hard as possible. They kind of look at me and like cross-eyed, you know, I was like, okay, let's, let's think about it literally. That's a hard object, pointing to the barbell. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, so's the floor. They're like, yeah. I'm like, it's called soft tissue for a reason. You're soft. I was like, is it wise to put a soft object in between two hard ones? They kind of look at me for a second and go, probably not. And I was like, cool. How about you try and make you as hard as possible? They're like, oh, oh okay. That sounds about right. It's like, yes, try it. If you just catapult yourself down into the bottom of the squat or just drop the barbell onto your chest, it's, it's going to hurt. Now try and create as much rigidity as you can whilst moving through the correct biomechanics. And yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, okay, you feel a lot better. Bingo. Yeah, it's uh, always interesting to uh, watch the lights come on in, in people. Mm. I'll often explain it with uh, two uh, examples. One is when a muscle contracts, it creates force. Well, they all knew that. But it also creates stiffness. And when you maximally contract a muscle and feel the force, you can't move it because it becomes very uh, stiff. And that's the magic of high performance movement to if you have to move quickly, you need a muscle pulse and then you have to relax and let the, 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 the uh, velocity build. And then if you're going to, you know, uh, hit an opponent or uh, uh, hit a tennis ball or even run, you have to create that instantaneous pulse of stiffness so you don't collapse uh, uh, into the floor. And then that leads us to a discussion of this linkage that we live in and how in order to create distal athleticism, if I wanted to wiggle my finger very quickly, I had to stiffen my wrist. Otherwise, uh, mm. I couldn't create the pulse reversals uh, very quickly. If I want to uh, create a uh, arm push or a throw or something of that nature, I had to stiffen my core, which is my torso, to enable the distal expression. And once those two principles are understood and we do some demonstrations of, of movement and uh, everything comes together for them, and then they start to realize, aha, I need what I need now. I, I understand if I am going to pull a bar from the floor, uh, why you take all the slack out of the system and uh, then strategically unleash some joints to create the motion. Uh, hopefully it's the hips, number one. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the stiffness has to be maintained at the weaker joints. Otherwise, you just uh, will collapse the linkage and uh, under load, that's not a good thing. Uh, a, a stress riser will form and an injury will occur. <laughs> I mean, anyone who's, who's got a little bagged up will say, yeah, that's probably not wise to do, right? Uh, yeah. 
there's uh speaking of getting banged up there's a i did a podcast a couple of days ago actually and uh it was uh, i was using a boxing example where that uh strategic control over the uh linkage to maximally uh create a, a forceful punch and i used the example of uh muhammad ali mike tyson and, and uh joe fraser and how they all achieved exactly the same thing an incredibly hard punch but through quite different strategies working through the linkage and this idea of strategic stiffness uh strategic mobility and uh yeah. We learned that over the years by measuring the, the different strategies in these people and how there's uh, many, many ways to do it. But uh, usually at the end of the day for a specific body type, there's only one optimal way. Anyway, I don't know why we went there, but uh, I did. So there you go. <laughs> I, I, I always find it like you, you go wherever you want. This is just a conversation, right? But I always find it fascinating how you get nerds like us that, kind of geek out about things and, and want to understand why well, usually when it comes to human movement and performance and health and like why what why does this happen what's the optimal and well i would have to have conversations with the likes of yourself because i teach adult p and usually labs is not my forte so then it's just this interaction between like coaching and scientist of we gotta we gotta figure this out and then you have the athlete right and we've all met those athletes that they just kind of look at you and be like I just, I just do it, coach. You're like, yeah, but how? I'm, I'm watching this body move in front of me. And you're like, well, to the eye and to the textbook, that kind of doesn't, kind of doesn't uh, match up here, but it's, it's still, it's still working. And then I ask you a question. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just pick up the ball and throw, or I just pick up the barbell and lift it. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, what's going on and it, it, it makes you question whether we are built differently whether someone's just got that that wiring mentally before other people have well they absolutely do i'm convinced of uh of that uh two opinions on that that came to mind as you were speaking first of all it's very sport and culture specific if you take uh, an athlete from uh, the world of uh, mixed martial arts, for example, uh, because it's rooted in traditional uh, martial arts, the way they learn and have been coached, uh, they're usually very good at explaining what it is they're trying to do. You know, oh, to get the arm bar, uh, uh, I'm going to dig your liver reflex, bring your elbow down, wait for you to exhale, and then snap it. In other words, they they are optimizing their, their knowledge of the system and uh, expressing it because they've trained it over and over again. Um, uh, away you go. And, and then uh, you might get someone, uh, well, I'll pick a sport like uh, professional basketball, the NBA. I'll say to a player who who is a fantastic, well-known dunk artist, they can take off from one foot at the top of the key, fly through the air, and, and, and dump, dunk the basketball. How do you do that? I don't know. I just woke up in the 10th grade, and I could do it. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, and so so that's the, 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 they don't really 
think about it. But the problem with that is if, if it's not a natural gift, um, they don't really know how to break it down and coach yeah. the various components of creating the stiff linkage, how to create the pulse with the glutes, how to propel a stone rather than push rope. To, so, you know, say they're they're in their 10th year in the MBA, their knees are getting a bit sore, they're losing their, their fitness uh, slightly, now they're getting back pain. And uh, they, they don't realize that working on that gluteal pulse, that neural uh, uh, speed that they once had is now being lost. So there, that becomes a training target and a little bit more core stiffness, strategic core stiffness at the time of the pulse will help them to uh, recover their ability to dunk the ball uh, and fly with, with a little less pain. But uh, do you want to hear the other little thought that was going through my brain? I'd love to. I've just uh, described two pulsing athletes and you used the word, I found it interesting. You said they're wired a bit differently. And I think you hit the nail on the head. When you coach a endurance athlete, don't you notice that they are, you, you have longer periods of time where you have their attention. They can listen to these explanations. If you get a athlete who's very explosive, they have attention deficit disorder. That's the, the pairing of how they're wired. They're binging off the walls. That's how they are so explosive. And you have 20 seconds to make your point as a coach. And then their mind is wandering on to the next thing. And these are things that you learn working with different elites. They all are wired a bit differently. They all have these athletic gifts, but they all, you know, I, I, I hear some of these coaches say, oh, well, you, you know, you have to give them external cues or internal cues and, yeah. and, uh, the next coach uses verbal cues. Well, wait a second. When you work with a variety of elite athletes, you'll learn how differently they are wired, how that forms a pattern with their personality and their learning style. And the great coaches have to realize you, you will use any kind of cue you can over a very specific period of time because that's what matches the learning style of that individual. Like which which cue do you use, coach? The one that works. It exactly. Might, it might not be the prettiest. It might not even be politically correct at times. But if, ah. it, but, but if it works, <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm northern, mate. You know, like I'm from I'm from Manchester, blue collar, and for some ungodly reason, I've had the privilege of 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 going around gyms for a while now and. Uh, yeah, some of the cues kind of turn some heads. And I'm like, try it, see if it works. And it works. I'm like, right, well, don't question the words that just came out of my mouth. You know, question whether it was, question its efficacy. You know, it, it worked. People got it. Let, let it go. My grandfather, as a young man, left Ireland and he stowed away on a boat in Cork Harbor. Him and his brother. And they thought they were going to New York City. That was where they thought the boat was going. The damn boat turned left and went to Liverpool. Oh. So my 
my, my, my granddad ended up in Liverpool. So my mother was, was raised in Liverpool. I know a little bit about what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the Scousers. That's a highway to hell right there. Poor bugger. Turned up in <laughs> Liverpool. I'll tell you what, he would have developed uh, a little hearty sense of humour and a chip on the shoulder from that. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Some good folk over there, mate. We we love to hate each other. Football, <laughs> football, music, we're always at each other's throats, but at the end of the day, it's 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 all love. They're still northern, yeah. northern people. <laughs> Did you like the Game of Thrones? Loved it. Yeah, me too. I, I I thought there was some real uh interesting parallels with the wall, north of the wall, south of the wall. <laughs> That's it's funny you say that, like being down in New Zealand and I've been here for, for four years. Um they're like, Oh yeah, where are you from? Uh, you're you're British, right? And I'm like, Well, yeah, technically, but there's a lot of disparity within people there. So I'm like, have you seen Game of Thrones? Most people are, are a yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm north of the wall. They're like, oh, okay. You're like, yeah. That's all you got to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a wildling folk. But what, why was this art form the one of your choosing? Could you repeat that? Sorry. Why was this art form the one of your choosing? Um, I... Uh, do, do you mean my career as a yeah. professor in spine biomechanics? Mm. Alex, it was pure dumb luck and pure fate. There are groups occasionally now and they will say, oh, professor, would you come and give us a talk about career direction and, and whatnot? And I said, no, please don't choose me because I'm the world's worst example. Um, Understood. It was, it was, uh, just happenstance and luck and finding mentors at the right time. Uh, when I was in high school, there was a parent teacher night and my dad came and the career counselor said to him, they said, well, uh, you know, McGill, he's, he's not really suited uh, academically. Uh, he should take up a trade. And uh, anyway, uh, one of the, it was actually the football coach who dissuaded me the other way. So that could, you know, it could have gone many different ways uh, throughout my life, but to, to make a long story short, I ended up doing my PhD with my mentor, uh, Bob Norman at the university of Waterloo. And uh, he was just starting uh, investigations into the spine. So that became my PhD. And then I was hired as a professor. Uh, when I started, I only had, uh, one question really and it was just how does the spine work you know people would say well, well why did you choose the spine why couldn't you choose a knee it's so much easier and uh i, I chose the spine because no one else was mm. <laughs> and and that that's not really fair it was it was what i was just as luck would have it i i did my phd in this lab so the the other part of it i think is just uh personality it it, it it doesn't matter what i do i i try and master it a little bit and uh that was the story of my uh career and i uh after 30 years of doing it uh 
I, I started, well, what year would that have been? 1986. Computers really weren't invented yet. We certainly didn't have any personal computers. Uh, so we just did everything as, as you did in the day. Over those 30 years, I became a computer operator. And you think of how many aspects of laboratory work, clinical work, even, you know, students wanting to come for office hours. Oh, uh, sir, could we do it over the computer, you know, on Zoom or something? Well, Zoom wasn't invented yet, but, you know, various chat forms. And I said, well, no, I can't teach you like that. I, we, we have to get in person and <laughs> work these things through with uh, physical examples and whatnot. But uh, anyway, I uh, hated the job in that I had to sit at a computer all day. My health was declining. And uh, I got, uh, I, I just realized, I, I just walked away, Alex. I closed my office door. I said to the grad students, come and get my, my books and papers and, and whatnot. And my colleagues went through our, I, by that time, I had two laboratories in the research uh, clinic. And uh, they just came and took all the stuff for their own use. And I'm, I'm glad for that. I didn't bring anything with me. I, I never thought anyone would ever be interested in me again because I wasn't producing new science. And I thought, oh, well, I'll go and build some boats and become a better welder and, and things like that. So there you go. Uh, it, it, it's a little bit of attitude uh, and interest and uh, I, I don't like being average. There's no fun in doing that. And uh, so now I'm, uh, you know, I see patients a couple of days a week and the other five days a week, I'm a construction worker for my wife. <laughs> Just follow the, <laughs> follow the boss, 100%. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really just having a ball. I love the way you described that. Rather than, oh, this was a set path that I knew I wanted to do since I was five years old. And I, I climbed the ladder of, you know, education, academia, uh, corporate, whatever it was, right? Uh, and you're like, no, no, it's you, you found something. You were curious enough to ask yourself questions about it and stubborn enough to stick with it when you couldn't find the answer. And you just kind of dove into this into this art form. I think, I think what, what people do and what people are and how we interact with, with the world, I think it is just like an artist and a canvas just trying to figure this thing out, interacting with the, with the art form of, the, of their choosing, right? And um, I kind of subscribe to the school of thought of the answers are all around. We just have to ask the right question. Um, so I really, yeah, I love the way you described that. It's uh, it's something that I I relate to quite heavily. Of oh, this isn't just a set path. All I got to do is go from step one to step two. I was like, no, no, no. Like you kind of got to find something. It's a overturned jigsaw piece, and you 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 realize, oh, this jigsaw is actually built upon five different jigsaws, and we're missing a load of pieces. And it's like, yeah, you've just got to go all in. You've just got to figure it out. Yeah, it's an interesting way. Uh, you describe that that's exactly how i would uh choose my graduate students so you know i'd look through the applications every year 
And uh, I learned that if I couldn't meet them, I shouldn't take them. And uh, what I did, I'm just going to get that. My computer just went to sleep in front of me, so I'm getting a blue light there. Well, that's a bit better. Um, I didn't choose the students who came in with 90 some odd percent on their applications and their undergraduate work. Uh, usually those students were very unidimensional and uh, what I was looking for was someone who was presented with a problem and they had the tenacity to solve it, mm -hmm. jump over it, bash it down and go through it and not give up. And uh, that, that was, uh, I, I, I think, I, I, I had some fabulous, almost 40 graduate students over the years, uh, but that's how uh, I chose them. And so many of them went on to become uh, uh, very well known in their own right. Mm. So I've got three questions. <laughs> All right, bro. What are the three words? Uh, no, sorry. What is the greatest piece of life advice you've ever received? <laughs> well, that's so context specific because sometimes I'd, I'd get some advice and it wouldn't mean diddly damn to me now. But uh, have you heard of the uh, Chinese farmer's parable? Yeah. Okay. Can I repeat that now? Of course you can. Okay, because it, it's, well, there's this old Chinese farmer gentleman and his friend asked him, well, how, how, are, how have things been? And uh, the uh, farmer says, oh, well, my horse ran away. And the, and the friend says, oh, well, that, that's terrible. And the farmer says, well, you know, could be good, could be bad. And uh, then the farmer says, well, the, the horse came home again and it brought another horse with it. And uh, the friend says, well, that's wonderful. You have two horses now. And the farmer says, well, it could be good, could be bad. I got another mouth to feed and whatnot. And then the farmer says, but you know, my son was riding that new horse. He fell off and broke his leg, fractured his pelvis. He's in bed. Oh, that's terrible. That happened to your son. And the farmer says, well, it could be good, could be bad. Then their canton goes to war. And the military comes by looking for recruits and they see the farmer's son laying in bed and they dismiss him. They, they, he's not going to get recruited to go off to war. And anyway, the story goes on and on about could be good and could be bad. So that's my answer to the best advice. It could be good. It could be bad. It's context specific. Um, and it, it's, it's not advice that I've ever received. It's more uh, sort of a biblical thought, I suppose, and just living for uh, a number of years now. Uh, try, and I don't always succeed, but live by the golden rule. There's the best advice that's come from somewhere. I like that Just from observing life. Observing life. Hmm. What about the worst? <laughs> <laughs> These are always quite entertaining. Well, yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I could repeat another story like the parable. Um, but 
Uh, you know, I, I could answer. Remember that jobs career counselor who told my dad I should go to trade school? I would have been very happy being a plumber. And uh, I'm sure I would have uh, been okay at it. Uh, I remember when I was uh, a young professor, one of my colleagues said, well, he says, well, don't work with sports and athletes. There, there's no money in it. And yet uh, uh, it, it's been a wonderful career to measure some of the best athletes of the world and really probe and, and dissect what is the root of their athleticism. And it's, those understandings that have allowed me to apply it to the elderly. What is optimal movement? And how could we restore their ability to get off the toilet, put their bag overhead in a, on a bus or in an airplane uh, so that they don't have to go into a patient care facility? They can stay living uh, independently. So, you know, th th these are athleticisms that I learned from elite athletes. Uh I remember another person saying, well, well, you know, don't write a book. Uh, it's it's just a, a terrible time sink. You know, you can't make any money writing a book. Why would you even think about it? Um, in any case, there's some examples of context-specific advice that at the time, uh, I'm glad I was an independent mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny one in advice, like, yeah. We should, we should, I think we should ask advice for people who are in that inner circle, the, the people who are uh, around us quite closely. But we have to ignore and filter out any advice and any unwanted, unsolicited advice that's kind of thrown our way, which, you know, with the internet is rather a lot. So, yeah, I understand. But anyway, yeah. what are the three words you would tell your younger self? That's a really difficult one, Alex, because I think of the mistakes I've made, how I've mistreated people. Uh, but reflecting on all of those have, have made me who I am today. So how can I go back and give myself some advice that might have changed my behavior or my thoughts uh, because then I'd, I'd be arriving at a different spot now. So, you know, I, I, I wish I spoke more kindly to some people. Uh, I wish I thought about certain words. But, you know, you can't go back and you just reflect on it. And uh, every day you try and do a little bit better. I, I did hear an expression. In fact, it's in the forward of my Ultimate Back Fitness book. Uh, actually, it was a country music song. Yes. And it went something along the lines of, uh, I'm just an old chunk of coal, but I'm going to be a diamond someday. And you just wake up every day and work a little bit harder to go in that direction, I suppose. That's beautiful. It really is. Well, it's not my poetry now. It, that that was, uh, <laughs> I, who knows, maybe it was Dolly Parton or Merle Haggard or <laughs> some of the real poets. <laughs> Whoever it was, they were speaking some truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
brother, thank you so much. This is uh, this is an absolute honor and a privilege, honestly. Well, myself included, uh, Alex. Uh, keep writing, keep publishing, and uh, uh, I'm going to. Uh, buy those books and pass them on a little bit. Uh, oh. You've got a gift and uh, keep, keep writing. Thank you, sir. Like that's, uh, that's touched my heart. Thank you very much. There should be another one before Christmas. <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right. Fantastic. So, thank you. And uh, I hope, okay. I hope our paths cross soon in person and we can have a coffee. We can uh, geek out about this, uh, this fitness thing. Right on. Okay, Alex. Thank you, sir. Stay well. We'll speak Stay soon. Well. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bye-bye. sir. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.